0: Carol Gold.
1: Hi, it's Sunday, January 14th. I'm Carol Gold and welcome to Think for Yourself. I want to talk about fear, mainly because I think there's enough of it around that it warrants some attention. I've always felt that there are two kinds of fear. There's fear that is totally called for and appropriate in certain situations, and then there's another kind of fear, which is more like an illusion. So let me first talk about the kind of fear that's appropriate when called for. I guess the example is, if a lion is chasing you, it's probably appropriate to get frightened. And the reason you get frightened is because it is a fight or flight syndrome that you are kind of hardwired to respond with. When you're frightened, when I'm frightened, certain things happen that are physiological. So our adrenal glands begin to respond and they do that by pumping the hormone known as epinephrine, I think more commonly people call it adrenaline, into the bloodstream. And as the epinephrine or the adrenaline circulates throughout our body, it brings on a number of physiological changes. So for example, our hearts beat faster than normal, and that pushes blood to the muscles to the, from the heart and to other vital organs. Okay. Our pulse rate and our blood pressure goes up. We breathe more rapidly. Small airways in our lungs open up wide to get more oxygen through the system. And that extra oxygen is sent to the brain that makes us more alert. Also, our sight and our hearing and our other senses all become sharper. The epinephrine also triggers the release of blood sugar or glucose, which then goes into our bloodstream and supplies extra energy to all parts of our body. That's what happens so that we can get out of a dangerous situation. But there's another kind of fear that is more, I would say, like an illusion and is oftentimes used as a means of control. And one of the examples I like to give is the attack on the United States on 9-11. It happened on 9-11 in 2001. But every year since then, on the anniversary of that event, the videos of the towers coming down are played. They're played all over the internet. They're played all over television. And even if you're listening on radio to someone who's playing them in the background, even if you can't see them, whether you're watching it or whether you're listening to it, what happens is that that same fight or flight physical reaction happens in your body. And it happens as if you are experiencing that trauma, that fear-based event, in the moment in which you're listening. So 9-11 hasn't happened on every 9-11 since 2001. But I can assure you that if you've watched it or listened to it since then, your body has repeated that fight or flight syndrome. Now, the good news about it is it helps you in a crisis. The bad news is that when there's no crisis or when the fight or flight syndrome doesn't stop, When you remain fearful, you remain under some kind of stress that is so extreme that your body is exhibiting a fight-or-flight syndrome, all the bad hormones and chemicals that your body dispenses for a brief period of time in a crisis situation, they don't stop. They keep flooding your system, and it isn't healthy for a system to be in a constant state of fight-or-flight. I think we have been surrounded by almost an incalculable amount of fear-based events. Let's start with the 2020 riots that took place in Seattle and Portland, or the flash mobs that go through major metropolitan cities, or breaking and entering and theft from retail stores all across this country, or unbridled shoplifting or what we experienced with COVID, or the January 6th riot, or the October 7th massacre in Israel, or the protests, some loud, some violent, by the left and pro-Palestinians all over this country as a result of what's happening in the Middle East, by what the Houthis are doing in Yemen and attacking cargo ships interfering with global trade and shipping. Or the shutting down of bridges and the Holland Tunnel over the weekend by, again, pro-Palestinian activists. Or calling MAGA and everything about it and everyone connected to it, meaning half the country, as insurrectionists and violent people and white supremacists. Or this concept of white privilege in order to anger people of color while at the same time demeaning white people. Or the prosecution, and one could argue, the persecution of the January 6 defendants. Or equating Donald Trump with Adolf Hitler. Or, as President Biden said recently, the 2024 election being framed as democracy, if you vote left, versus totalitarianism and dictatorship, if you vote right or Republican. Or, as President Biden also recently said in his, I think in his opening campaign speech, that this election is about democracy and freedom. Or, I guess most recently, since it's Sunday, yesterday, Saturday, what I can only call an insurrection at the White House where pro-Palestinian activists tried to breach the perimeter fence through blood-soaked baby dolls onto White House grounds where the Secret Service and the police were all put at risk. So what is the effect All of those are fear-inducing events or fear-inducing statements or fear-inducing policies. So what is the effect of being frightened? Well, I think the most important effect is that fear impedes rational thought. It's why people who want to control you want you frightened. Because when you're frightened, your inability to reason and think logically and in your highest and best interest, is short-circuited. You know, idol of the left, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, said there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And then he rounded up and imprisoned Japanese Americans simply for being Japanese during World War II, which, beside from being a bigoted and fear-based action, simply generated more fear, fear among the Japanese who were being rounded up and those who weren't but were Japanese, Asians in general, I would argue, and Caucasian or white U.S. citizens, the rest of the country, black citizens, all fearful of the Japanese who were living in this country. So talk is cheap, right? To say there's nothing to fear but fear itself and then to act with fear-based results. So, I'm asking myself, why is there so much hateful rhetoric and acting out of violence in the past few years in this country? And I think the answer is because it pays, or at the very least, it has no consequences. Look at the White House on Saturday. There was literally an attempt to breach the fence of the White House by violent pro Palestinian activists. No one was arrested. No one was arrested. And no one was arrested and imprisoned for the deaths and property damage that occurred as a result of the 2020 riots in Portland and Seattle. And no one is arrested for all this shoplifting and flash mobbing that goes on around the country because the cities in which this is occurring have leftist district attorneys and politicians who have passed laws that permit that kind of violent, fear-inducing behavior if it's under $1,000. So why not break into a store and take $900 worth of merchandise? You're not going to be arrested. You're not going to jail. There isn't any consequence. We've conditioned an entire generation, and actually anyone who has a grievance, that lawlessness has no consequences that matter. You know, I watched the House Judiciary hearing this week on finding Hunter Biden in contempt for not appearing pursuant to a congressional subpoena. And the arguments that the Democrats made in order to support that he not be found in contempt were that, one, he in fact did appear, he came for a press conference on the steps of the House, and he agreed to a public hearing. The arguments that the Republicans are making for finding him in contempt are that he defied a congressional subpoena by refusing to give a deposition, which was the primary purpose of the subpoena, and that he is attempting to set his own terms, the setting of terms which no other citizen in a similar situation would get, especially given that he already violated IRS law and the statute of limitations ran out on it because the prosecutor failed to proceed. And then, when they did proceed belatedly and on only a portion of the crimes he had committed, he received special treatment, an unprecedented plea deal by the prosecutor and his attorney that no other defendant had ever before received. So there really wasn't gonna be any consequence for him either. However, publicly, he violated law. Every citizen who is not of the elite political class or who's not a multimillionaire is afraid of the IRS. Why? Well, because they want you afraid. The federal government needs your money. It demands your money because it has no product or service that it renders in reality. It's like the Biden family. Government, and the Biden family in particular, can only profit from taking your money from you and applying it to the things that they want to apply it to. In a constitutionally committed country, there are, let's call them services, that the federal government is to perform on behalf of the people. And there is, therefore, a certain amount of money that the federal government needs in order to do that. But we have a federal government completely out of control that has grown like, a, like some kind of lab-created monster that just grows and grows and grows and now does things the Constitution doesn't even permit it or allow it or give it the authority to do. I mean, the greatest job sector growth is in government jobs. All of it is about creating fear. All of it is about keeping you under thumb, keeping us under control, making us frightened enough that we can't think rationally, that we can't think logically, that we worry about the consequences because the consequences for us standing up for what it is we really believe in as opposed to being part of a flash mob or unbridled shoplifting, the punishment or the consequence for us for going against These greater principles that are out of control, these greater usurpations of power by the federal government, by government in general, those consequences are severe. Look at the January 6th defendants. Look at what has happened to these people. They have been prosecuted. They have also been persecuted and continue to be, even people who were not even on the grounds. So what can we do about fear? What can we do about fear? That is the question. Well, let me quote Mark Twain. He said, Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the mastery of it. So what does that mean? Well, everyone has something that they fear. Everyone has something that they fear. Some people might not like to admit that they get frightened, but everyone has something within them about which they are fearful. For some people, maybe it's reptiles. For others, maybe it's public embarrassment, or getting fired, or drowning, or maybe it's the dark. Whatever it is, everybody has something about which they have a fear. I will tell you, they were my fears that drove me to try to commit suicide at age 24, something I've talked about extensively in other podcasts my way of dealing with that having survived that attempt was to as mark twain said master my fears so i have gone through life periodically my fears raise their ugly head especially when fighting depression you become fearful as part of that process and you stop thinking rationally which is what led me to attempt suicide but the mastery of that is I no longer, when I get depressed or fearful, stop thinking logically. What I do is logically talk myself back off the ledge. I tell myself the ledge is an illusion, just like the fear, and I don't need to hang out there, and I don't need to be motivated by the fear. I need to talk to myself and tell myself what I'm feeling is temporary. It's not based in reality. Tomorrow will be a better day. I go do something that cheers me up. It's the mastery of the fear. It's not its absence. It's never going to go away. We're hardwired to respond to something fearful. Whether that something fearful is real or imagined, we are hardwired to respond. It's learning how to master that response that is the key. It's why every therapist who specializes in helping people who have phobias Have them face the phobia in baby steps. Why? So they can internalize slowly that there's nothing to fear. So that they can rationalize and think logically and come to the realization that if they stay present and focused and calm and rational, they can handle whatever may arise in front of them that is seemingly fear-based. J.R. Tolkien, the author, said, A man that flies from his fear may find that he has only taken a shortcut to meet it. In 2024, there will be lots of fear-based talk and lots of fear-based events. I'm certain of it. I suggest that we do not fly away from any of them. I suggest we stay strong rooted in courage and faith. Courage that we can handle whatever happens to us, and faith that we are guided by a higher power when we're available to receive that guidance, so that we don't find that we took a shortcut to meet that from which we ran. Face your fears, exercise your muscles of strength, courage, and faith, and it's all going to be just fine. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself.
0: Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.